The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa and welcome to Business is Boring. The global plant-based meat market is projected to grow to almost $160 billion by 2030. And when you think about plant-based meat, you might conjure up a dry vegetable sausage or something from a supermarket freezer that has an ingredient list like a chemistry class. But it doesn't have to be like that. And one local company is pioneering an approach to plant-based meat that's about ethical hedonism with the taste and experience and real ingredients and methods at the front of everything they do. Greater Goods has grown from offering a chorizo that lit up social media to opening a deli, taking over the building they started in, opening a factory and now having distribution through grocery all over Aotearoa. Now they're looking to Equity Crowdfund to take their deli non-meats to Australia and the world. To talk the mission, the products, and what's next, co-founder and CEO Flip Grader joins us now. Tanakwe. Kia ora. Hey, so you have an awesome background in creativity. Tell me about being an artist and how, yeah, where does that feed into um, a life in business? Yeah, well, actually, I think it's really interesting to notice now how the music industry, it sort of feels like a separate industry to every other industry. It feels like it operates in its own world. But the learnings that you take from that are completely relevant to any other industry. And most people working in the arts end up doing a ton of things across what they're whatever they're doing you know they're doing marketing they are doing um you know their own bookkeeping all of that and all of that is completely transferable to other industry and starting business yeah it's funny eh? like because so often in those realms it's kind of like oh i'm not in business i'm in music and it's like well you seem to be like um running and creating a personal brand doing exceptionally good marketing campaigns um creating phenomenal kind of products in your merch uh building community, it's like you're doing all the stuff that like a whole tech company has to do except kind of by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that creative side to it too. So you've got to switch between creative brain and logistics brain, admin brain. So it's completely relevant. Yeah. And so tell me about like um, your path into this world of um, non-meat meat. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, so funnily enough, I'm actually from multiple generations of butchery. My great, great, great grandfather moved from Germany. He was a butcher in Germany and then he moved to Sunderland. And I believe we were the Grata family then. 
but he sort of anglicised the name once in Sunderland and started a butcher shop called Greater and Sons. And my grandfather um, worked in there from the time from the age of eleven, um, and then moved to New Zealand after the war. So then my father went into butchery, and he was working in the meat industry most of my childhood until he was really sickened by it and decided to become vegetarian, which was a huge move for the community that he was in and the background he'd come from. Uh, so he quit the meat industry and started an organic vegetable farm in North Canterbury. And that was sort of the start of the karmic change in our family line. Um, of course, I went into the music industry, but the minute that my daughter Anais was born, I really felt like my focus shifted and sort of my urgency around climate change sharpened or hastened. So I decided that I needed to be doing something more than singing sad songs to save the planet that she was going to inherit. I decided that maybe if I pivoted into my other passion, which had always been food, you know, I'd even on tour, even as a musician, I had been really into food and written travel journals that had recipes in them and things like that. So it made sense to me to focus on that other passion, which was Kai, and sort of start experimenting. So I had a a baby at home and I sort of became a home scientist or home food tech and started dabbling with recipes and, um, yeah, just came up with a few that were properly delicious and just... Yeah, just trial and error, just trying things out. You know, there are two sort of distinct arms of the plant-based industry. One is very lab-based, very tech-focused, and one of them is very artisanal. And it's been driven by home scientists like myself, testing things out and trying to use ancient techniques like culturing and washing wheat flour until you're left with the protein base and then spicing that up and flavouring it to make something really delicious. And so that's what I did. I just dabbled until I came up with something really good that I could feed to my meat-loving brothers and my French husband and they would eat it. And I was like, oh, I might be onto something here. And what was your background with food? Had you been... um you know, a, a lifelong vegetarian, or did you come to um, that 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 world, or what? Yeah, what was your journey? I have been vegan for twenty six years now. I'm actually coming up to my vegan anniversary next month. Um, so yeah, it's been a minute. When I first turned vegan, um, I used to carry soy milk around with me from cafe to cafe around Christchurch to ask people to make me a a soy. Latte, I think it was at the time. And now, you know, it's just wild how it's changed. You know, we were all forced to be whole food, plant-based back then. Um, I ate lentils, I think, for every meal. But it was a really great experience for me to become vegan in that moment. And essentially my mother was like, I don't know how to do this, so you're on your own food-wise. And that's when I learned to cook. And it's kind of where my love of food came from, was being forced to learn how to make food and make it taste good. Has it become easier over the years? As I imagine 20 years ago, carrying you know soy milk between places, and now in many cafes you have to actually specifically request cow milk <laughs> because <laughs> yeah because you're kind of like, oh you want you want cow milk oh, <laughs> okay dude like <laughs> but you know, has it become easier being um you, you know you know like being committed to that choice where it's gone from being maybe 
a joke in the culture and, you know, lack of awareness and understanding around it? Or is it just that I'm living in a big old bubble? No, it's definitely changed. It's become a lot easier for people. And I love being part, a small part of that change. It's so much more accessible now for people. And you don't really have to think so much about it. You know, we used to just have to be very, very prepared. Even on my first tours, I had to just make sure that I had snacks with me at all times because you couldn't get anything from a gas station that was vegan. Um, and yeah, you just had to be this very organised person carrying your soy milk around and, and snacks and, and nuts in your pocket. <laughs> but now, you know, you can just find anything anywhere and you can literally just sub out anything you have been eating for the same thing but a plant-based version. So that's what we're trying to do is make a truly delicious option that is easily available and, you know, and... And, and no fuss, you know, so that's why we are really focused on the pre-sliced charcuterie products and some deli meats. So you can just pick it up, open the packet, put it in your sandwich, put it on a platter and go with it. You don't have to hassle, you don't have to cook it up, you don't have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, tell me about focusing there as, you know, I guess one of the coolest things that I love about, you know, these kind of treats you know they're part of like the meat treat world um the the things you'd find on a lovely platter or the um the absolute highlight of you know a dish of lentils or something um <laughs> and 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 so often when people um have grown up in a meat first world they look at removing meat from their life and they're like i'm going to be missing out on something and it's going to be a less abundant and exciting like world of greed <laughs> yeah absolutely like, like, it's so cool focusing on those things that are the treats a hundred percent I think it's the only way forward you know I, I really do think of this as a, a form of delicious activism and I don't have a ton of faith in our ability to make the right choices if those choices are painful or effortful I really think that we need to have options that are truly delicious that are truly easy and that's the way we're going to make the right choices every day. I mean, I think all of us really want to make the right choices, but they feel like so many of those choices feel like taking something away. They feel like a sacrifice. They feel like having some terrible version of something that you actually want. And what we're trying to do is really create something that doesn't feel like that, that actually feels like a properly good option that you can choose. You know, I was really involved in a lifestyle of hedonism as a musician and I'm still a big fan of that and I think I can do that in an ethical way. I think ethical hedonism is a real thing and that we can have our cake and eat it too. It's, sign me up. <laughs> I'm so into it. Um, so tell us how you started um, growing the business. As it kind of famously began with you um, selling it through social media and finding this community of people who were all like, oh my word, I can't believe there's this amazing chorizo that is not, you know, dead pig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did just sort of start dabbling. I started making it in a home kitchen and then selling it on social media and then I um, was offered this little 15 square metre kitchen in the industrial area of Sydenham and Christchurch in this old glass factory that had been converted into multiple hospital spaces. And I started working out of there and there, had, there wasn't other tenants in there yet. So I was just in there every morning um, while my daughter was at um, daycare. 
and I would just make these sausages and then I would sell some sandwiches out the window, sort of spread the word on social media and people would make this journey, sort of like plant-based pilgrims coming to get their deli sandwiches. And then it was kind of popular, so I put a table out the front and then I put two tables out and then I put 10 tables out and it really just grew organically from there. Um, to the point where we took over each of the spaces in the building and had, and then eventually had the entire building. So that's what we have now is that we have this um, hospitality and retail space um, and, in this old glass factory and then we have our factory out in Walston. Wow, that's so cool. And build, like, you, you know, it sounds very kind of like natural and organic growth to get there. What were some of the moments where, you know, you were able to, um, make that call to to expand or make that call to open um, a second factory space? <laughs> Probably illness. I mean, honestly, why have I grown at that pace? But <laughs> it's just been really exciting and I'm really passionate about what we're doing. And the, the community in Otodahi have supported us so wholeheartedly. So we've just really gone... Really, grown really organically but really rapidly it just it's just happened that way and we keep you know another opportunity will present and we go yeah okay let's do that you know um and then we were like well let's get into specialty stores let's be where well let's be in more wilson's let's be um in cruelty free store and then we were like well okay that's good but also we want more people to eat these foods right so where are they shopping on oh, the shopping at the supermarket let's be in the supermarkets and then we've just grown in that way. So we're across foodstuffs now and hoping to get into Countdown next year, uh, this year, sorry, and um, then moving into the Australian market this year. Awesome. Yeah, so where can people find it today? Yeah, so New World and Pack and Saves, generally speaking, but also all of those specialty stores as well and your Fresh Choices Super Values um, and then hopefully very soon Countdown as well. And what does the greater goods range look like today? Well, we sort of transitioned. We were looking very artisanal with this brown paper vibe, um, harking back to that that homage subversion of the butchery um, lineage that I come from. I was sort of starting it as a butchery, but now it's much more turned into a delicatessen, which is more aligned with my tastes of wanting to fill that space of gourmet products. So we have transitioned our packaging to suit that. So now it's really a luxury product. It's in a beautiful hang cell. And part of that is a strategy around wanting more people to enjoy these products. We want flexitarians, which is like 40% of the market. We want them to be able to easily grab these foods and they're not going to the tofu section. So we're currently um, most of the time found alongside tofu, but we really want to be found alongside your traditional salami and deli meats. So that's what we've done is we've moved into this hang cell format and now we can we're now we're trying to encourage buyers to place us alongside those products so that when you're shopping for those products for your party, for your sandwiches, for your platters, you can easily make the choice that is the more ethical, hedonist choice. Yeah. For so long, um, as, as, as a non-red meat eater, 
I've had this idea that vegetarian sausages are actually like a ruse by the meat industry <laughs> to keep people <laughs> eating meat because they're so bad compared to the kind of, you know, you get a sausage because it's kind of mystery fat inside, mm-hmm. like, you know, mystery reward feelings for your mouth. And then you replace it with something that's like dry and feels like sawdust composite or something. Like yeah. it really is important, hey, that that hedonism is there or else what's oh, the point? Yeah. Absolutely. Why suffer? I've got no reason to want to suffer. Not at all. I want to eat really good food. I just want it to also be plant-based. So it's about catering to that. I think as the flexitarian grows, it is becoming more discerning and more diverse. And that's why we need to exist because people are no longer happy to just have whatever happens to be plant-based. People want a plant-based option that is properly good at the same time. So, yeah, there's definitely a place for it. And I think, you know, it's always interesting to me that the first analogues were sausages. I don't, I never knew that sausages were so popular, but that's what was always available right back, um, right back in the day. And we'll be back in a moment with Flipgrader to talk about what's next for the business and her capital raise. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. And we're back with Flipgrader, founder at Greater Goods. So what is your kind of range today? What are you making? As I think, you know, people know you from the um, chorizo, which was very famous, the kind of um, pastrami um, versions. Um, But also Christmas time has been a big thing for getting Greater Goods on the map as well. Hey. Yeah, so our core core skews at supermarket um, are our plant pastrami, our chorizo, our pepperoni, and of course our roast furkey, um, which is very popular at Christmas time and a lovely option to have. We also have a full range in our deli in Christchurch. So we have everything from your vegan salmon to your um, faux gras, you know, pâtés, spreads, we make cheeses. We do a whole range of charcuterie, so a sopressata and um, 
and various types of salami that we're also working on in our R&D. It's so exciting. Um, and a whole lot of deli slices. So a furkey slice and we're working on a chicken slice and all those sorts of things as well. We really want to have, we just really want to fill that space, the things that we believe are missing, the things I want to be eating with a glass of wine at the end of the day. Tell me about that innovation as, you know, salmon. How do you go about making an analogue of, um, of salmon? Yes, I mean, all of these products are really about being reminiscent of and hitting the same pleasure points as traditional antipasti products, as opposed to trying to be them. So a lot of people love salmon for smokiness or the oceanic vibe, but they don't really love the fishiness. So what we do is we use seaweed and smoke and texture, you know, starches and things like that to create a product that is reminiscent of. So it's got that oceanic vibe, it's got that smokiness, but it doesn't have that fishiness. So it's kind of all the best things without the gross bits. So a lot of people prefer it, actually. And how about cheese? As I think that's one area where... um, you know, it's maybe a little bit more in the veggie sausage world sometimes than you want it to be when you when when you really want to support it, right? Because yeah. cheese doesn't bear much thinking about, <laughs> uh, and you really want to get a non-cheese cheese. Yeah. But yeah, how do you hit that? Um, the hedonistic, the kind of fattiness, the the real kind of like protein linked bits. Yeah. Well, for us, the answer is to use traditional techniques, you know, harking from those European roots. So as opposed to creating an analogue of the crappy yellow cheese that New Zealand has loved for a very long time, it's about, you know, switching out a protein base from a from an animal product to a plant protein and just using those same techniques. So we're kind of at the forefront of that that whole world of just doing very traditional things but with new uh, bases, with new protein bases and seeing what happens with it. So culturing cashews and, you know, and culturing vegan meats and just turning, looking at what we can do using those very traditional techniques, so using bacteria, using cultures, and that is the key because you get all that funk, you get all of that chew and texture and all the things you actually want out of those foods. And there's a real sense, you know, if people have visited or followed along um, on social media of, you know, the cabinets being kind of bursting with abundance, you know, it's not this feeling of, um, uh, you know, having to give up or not have as much. Um, it, is it is it exciting, like kind of, you, you know, um, having this endless array of innovation and experimentation to try and create um, those reward feelings that that, that you're getting? Absolutely. I mean, coming from a creative background, I think as well, that's the fun part for me. I mean, business can be boring. So I really love the innovation space. I love the, um, I love experimenting with Canterbury ingredients and trying to make new flavor profiles and dabbling with various spices. And it's just, that's the joy for me. And I'm really excited about what we've got in the pipeline for this year. Yeah, tell us about that because you've got to the stage where you've got pretty good distribution around the country for what's a really cool premium product and, you know, a great a great um, deli where people can come and eat and enjoy and, you know, really good online following and stuff. But, like, what, what will you be able to do with this capital raise that you're about to 
uh, embark on, what's that going to open up to to allow you to scale this mission and scale the impact? Yeah, as I say, we we grew really mostly organically. We did a little seed raise um, a couple of years ago, which was really helpful. But we've always had a very stretchy mentality. We've always done things very bare bones and just trying to make every dollar go go as far as we can. So we 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 continue to have that that mindset, which I think is incredibly helpful. Um, but now what we want to do is, you know, we, we need some in, some capital injected so that we can grow at the pace that we're being asked to grow at. The demand is there and we just can't keep up with the demand. So we've been growing that factory space in Wollston um, with some equipment and now we want to get bigger equipment. We want to make sure that we've got the right staff on board to be able to grow at the pace that the um, that the market is is demanding of us. And, yeah, we just really want to make sure that we're able to make the most of this opportunity for commercial and climate change reasons. Yeah, tell us about the commercial and the climate change kind of side of things. As, you know, the real goal is that people are picking it up because it's kind of tastier and nicer and, um, you know, a better experience, isn't it, in the long run. But it is such an important element in so many people's journeys towards being flexitarian or changing up the way that they eat to kind of know that there's an enormous impact both health and climate wise behind picking up that 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 cheap you know um cured meat or something like what's the difference in the health side of things having a product that's not full of nitrates for example and what's the difference in the climate impact of you know choosing your thing over a traditional pastrami or pepperoni well, I want to make it clear, very, from, very clear, that we are not about being health food. Mm. It, we, we happen to be. <laughs> we happen to our products happen to be way healthier than their traditional counterparts, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to be delicious first. It just happens to be good for you. That's an accidental aside. <laughs> um, yep. Eat a carrot if that's your goal. Um, but also I think, you know, we all know that ultimately reducing or eliminating our meat and dairy um, consumption is the number one thing we can do to reduce our impact on planet Earth. So it's a no-brainer to just reduce or leave those things behind. And if there is a properly good alternative, then why not? How's it going with taking this mission and looking to raise capital? Is it... Um, you know, when you're doing something that's a new system and part of an emergent market, do people jump in and go, oh, I see these tailwinds, like, great, or, or are traditional investors still traditional? Yeah, well, we did our first raise um, in a private way, and it was um, it was really time-consuming. It was super, we got some incredible people on board that have really specific backgrounds that were able to help us to grow to the next stage. And that's been fantastic, but it really was very time-consuming and um, at time to, uh, and sort of took my attention away from working on the business for a long time. So I really wanted to do the, this raise in a way that would be a little quicker. And I also, you know, I always have a sense that you know, it's our community that have gotten us to where we are right now. And we have such a loyal following. And I really wanted to be able to bring that community along on the journey with us. And and hopefully they can benefit from our growth. 
So, you know, if we really want this industry to flourish and we don't want it to be your Fonterra's putting a, a token plant-based option out, but we want it to be grassroots plant-based companies bringing these products to the mainstream, then that's what we then that's what we're offering. People can get involved. People can invest through this crowdfunding um, campaign that we're doing. So it's really exciting. We decided to go with um, an Australian company called Equitize. The idea being that we can we can include both Kiwi and Aussie wholesale and retail investors and also help grow the brand awareness in Australia at the same time, which is our next market. What are the details of that race and how do people get involved? Yeah, so right now the expressions of interest is open. So people can either go to the equitize.com website or email me invest at greatergoods.co.nz and it's greater like a cheese grater. Um, of course, finally leaning into the horrible puns that have been used around my name by the media for a really long time. <laughs> I'm going to get some benefit back out of that. <laughs> yeah, <damn> exactly. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, people can send me an email on that email address or go to equitize.com and express their interest. And that gives them first option to invest when it goes public at the end of March. So um, we'll, we'll, the raise will be public from for most of April, essentially. And, yeah, we just really want to bring everybody along for the ride. It's going to be super fun. And the details and stuff with the amount and the valuation and stuff will all come through once that's live and Absolutely, then and people exactly. will be able to make their and it's and it's equity, so owning shares in the business and its future success, um, rather than kind of the crowdfunding that um, may not be equity that people may be familiar with as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, you know, that model's really well um uh, there's been some great people to popularise that, like uh, Brian West at Etik and that kind of thing of the believers being able to share in a business is so cool. Yeah, I agree. I've always been a little bit cynical around it, actually, but now I'm completely changed. I'm a com- I'm a convert to crowd equity f- uh, funding. I actually think it's fantastic, and I'm really excited to be embarking on this with a great team at Equitize. I love the way that you said one of the important things is that you know, people that are doing this for the right reasons are at the front of it or else the big companies come in and just make some terrible ones. And there's been a burst of um, meat replacement things that have hit the supermarkets. And you pick up and look at the back of the packet and it's just absolutely remarkable how far it is away from natural ingredients for what's meant to be (laughs) like a product like (laughs) being plant-based. There's there's a place for all of it, I think. You know, I don't want to be negative about any products that exist but I think there is a place for all of it and as I say there is this um, more tech side of food and then there's this more artisanal side and I'm very attracted to the artisanal side the handmade natural ingredients um, using spices and smoke and clever trickery that is all beautiful and natural and as I say traditional actually um, to create those to hit you know create products that hit those same pleasure points. How have you enjoyed this journey into uh, business and having to be kind of a spokesperson and inventor and um, you, you know CEO and founder and salesperson and all the elements into into business and from the outside you know it looks obviously like that's been this um, it was always going to be the successful business that grew at this rate. But how's it been on the inside? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't always going to be. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I just do, I have been wearing a, a lot of different hats and it's been fun to go through the journey of um, handing each hat over to a capable person um, at a, one at a time and um, really bring a team together. And I think it's been really fascinating to just be constantly learning. One of the things that I really love about this journey is that I've I'm learning something every single day. It's been challenging nonstop and it's been exhausting and wonderful and community building and intense. It's never been boring at all. It's actually been the opposite and I love it for that. And like creating something in the culture is so cool, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great to have not only that product that exists that people can take to their parties that is available around the country, but also to have a hub, have a flagship store and ha have a hospitality space that people can gather in. Both of those things has been wonderful. And, you know, we've done, we do a lot of events and gigs and things at Greater Goods Bistro in Christchurch. Um, so that's been really nice to have that space where people are physically gathering and we get instant feedback from our customers. So that combination of those two arms of the business has been really great. And actually, as a strategy, it worked really well in terms of the hospitality sort of was able to produce cash flow that helped grow the production side of things. But now that that's kind of plateaued, my, all of my focus is on the food production, which is infinitely more scalable. Yeah, it's kind of having like a brand gallery. Hey, like this is this is how it should be. These <laughs> yeah. are, and you can make everything as great as you want. Um, yeah. Yeah. So people have that magic experience. Yeah, exactly. And it's a it's it's a nice experience, I think, for customers to be able to shop in a space. They can they can order from a menu and see how these things are can be used, can be cooked, can be eaten, but also shop in the shop and then just grab those things from the shop and put them on their platter to create, to sort of DIY their own platter as well and then take those things home. So it's a wonderful combo. And of course we get to show off all the incredible um, non, uh, all the incredible vegan wines from around New Zealand. Yeah, love it. And as a thought like um, for people who, you know, may discover, you, you, you know, like this um problem that needs solving what advice would your would you give to people who maybe you know have an inkling that they could experiment and, and and make something cool here give it a hone just do it I mean nobody knows how to do anything in advance you just got to try and um and see how you go and just keep keep learning keep being open and I think for me one of the really important lessons has been learning um, my personality type is pretty open to advice and guidance, but the downside of that has been not being discerning enough with listening to advice. So one of the skills that I've learned over the last couple of years has been figuring out who to listen to and how much to listen to my own gut versus what other people are saying. Because I think if you're learning in advance how to business, then you have an idea of how to business and you do it this way and then this step and then this step and then this step. If you're coming in from a place of, I just want to solve this problem and I'm going to figure out how, then you come in with a completely fresh approach and you don't want to lose that whilst learning how to business. Mm, love it. Yeah, there's a great, Mike Carden has a great line from um, Joyous that most advice is either nostalgia or vanity. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. And like, you have to be really careful taking advice unless people are 
in there doing the same thing and have deep and contextual understanding. And it's something I you, you you think about all the time. Absolutely. My the best mentors that I've worked with have just really wanted to support me in my decision making and help me find a path that is unique. Um, and yeah, and and just problem solve as I go along, as opposed to giving me any real advice. And as a final thought, what will success be for you and for greater goods? Of course, world domination. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we just really want um, everyone to have access to really properly good options for when they want to sit down and have a glass of wine or when they're wanting to make a beautiful sandwich, when they're wanting to have a party and and show their friends some delicious kai. We really want everybody to have access to properly good options. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, thank you for coming and sharing the story and can't wait to see where you take it next. And yeah, if anyone's interested in being part of a company uh, with that mission in Kaupapa, head along to equitize.com and find out more. Thank you for being here. Greater. Pleasure, Kiara. So, thank you to Flip Grader, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Businesses Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.